Every draft has a handful of deep disappointments, these superstar college players that just do not pan out for one reason or another at the next level. Jalen Rager has definitely been one of those guys. How that happened is a whole other story. Welcome to the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You like that on three, one, two, three, you like it! You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, Luke Braun, and let's find some joy today. You can find the Locked On Vikings podcast wherever you find your favorite shows, whether it's Sirius XM or any other uh, re- regular podcast listening platform. But you can also find this show on video form on YouTube or on Amazon Fire or Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Thank you so much to those of you who do listen to this show every single day. My everydayers, sound off if you can. Love you guys. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Today on the show, we're continuing with the Everyman series, beginning with Jalen Rager, hoping to get to TJ Smith and Oli Udo as well today. Uh... But to go through Jalen Rager's story, and truly the story is a, is one of rise and fall, and where Jalen Rager is right now is a place that no first-round pick thinks that they're going to end up being at, you know? This is a, a player fighting for his job as the punt returner. I mean, this is where you expect seventh-rounders to go, not blue-blood pride of Texas Christian um, with a an NFL pedigree, you know, NFL player as a father. But to truly understand how that kind of thing happens, we got to go all the way back to the beginning with Monte Rager, his father. In uh, January 2007, or February 2007, when Super Bowl 41 is played between the Colts and the Bears, this is Peyton Manning's first ring, kind of forgotten living in the shadow of the next Super Bowl, which was Eli Manning winning one against uh, Tom Brady's 16-0 Patriots. Um, on that that rainy day at Hard Rock Stadium, there is a, we'll say, eight-year-old Jalen Rager in the stands watching his dad's team win a ring. Now, Monte Rager was in a minor car accident leading up to that game, so he wasn't actually able to be active and play, uh, but the celebration is memorable nonetheless. It's one of these moments that that imprints itself onto a young Jalen Rager's mind. And you got to understand, his dad is Superman to him. He follows Monte around like a little duckling. Uh, he does what his dad does. He, he talks the way his dad talks. He dresses the way he... I mean, it's everything. Uh, and ultimately... He sees that triumph, that championship, and he wants that. He he wants to be that. That's It's like Simba looking at Mufasa and saying, someday this kingdom will be mine. And so he will work towards it. And in I mean, go back to fifth grade. He's talking about like watching his diet and what his workout regimen's going to be. Uh, this is his obsession from, from that young of an age. He wants to be like his dad. He wants to be an NFL player. He wants to be an NFL superstar. 
there is a work ethic to that that I think helps him unlock an, an innate athleticism that he has. And when he starts playing football, I mean, he's way faster than all the other kids and he's way more agile than all the other kids. Uh, his mom even, or I think it was his mom, somebody puts him in track and he, yeah, I mean, track and field is second fiddle to football, which is the true passion, the true dream. But he does credit it with like making him more explosive and, and making him faster and all that. All of that goes into this absolutely picture perfect high school Texas football player that can do everything. He can be a running back. He's he's smart as a tack. Like he can he can pick up playbooks and everything. Uh, he can play deep receiver, slot receiver, punt returner, quarterback, jet sweeps, you name it. Uh, he can do just a little bit of everything in high school. That gets him a lot of attention from a lot of different schools, uh, especially around Texas in the South, uh, the SEC, Big 12, all that. He ends up uh, committing to Texas Tech, which is where his dad played, but his dad encourages him to kind of find his own way, and he actually will commit to like Oklahoma, then decommit. This is a really long, winding process. Ends up at Texas Christian, TCU, Horn Frogs, um, where he is, again, this like absolutely electrifying player, all kinds of accolades. I could go on and on and on about how productive and exciting he was as a college player. But this is a story about what happens after that where he will be a first-round pick. He'll go to the Philadelphia Eagles, 21st overall. At 22nd, the Vikings select Justin Jefferson. That will immediately link those two and their careers forever. It happens every year. Whenever there's a back-to-back in the first round, those two players will be linked. Just watch this year's class. Four receivers that all went in a row. If Jordan Addison is not the fourth best, Whoever he ends up being better than on those three, that is all anyone in that media is going to talk about. If he's better than like Zay Flowers or whatever, all anyone in Ravens media is going to ever say is we could have had Addison, right? Um, You're not immune to it. The Vikings have their versions of it, of course. Laquan Treadwell, Michael Thomas, right? It's just something that happens. Uh, and, and it puts him in, in this shadow forever. But, you know, he, his, he talks to his dad about this. and His dad's got the... Uh, the experience. He says, you're, you're not Justin Jefferson. You're not uh, Justin Jefferson's anti-hero. You're you. You're Jalen Rager. Be Jalen Rager. He can go do whatever he's going to do. And Rager starts that first camp in a decent spot. Uh, he's picking things up. He's coming along. He's on schedule. Philly seems pretty happy. You know, the Eagles seem pretty happy with him. Uh, and then during a full speed scrimmage, so full tackle, full everything, He's going up against Avante Maddox and quarterback. He's a ball up that ends up getting intercepted. Um, this is, by the way, the 2020 training camp. So you're not really able to get the same access to everything that you usually do and prepare the way that you usually do. Like everything is a little bit weird. Maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe it didn't. Who knows? But that's going to make things a little harder for rookies anywhere like from the get-go all of the 2020 rookies had their starts maybe slowed down a little bit for that and that's fair um but on this play he runs a route and Avante Maddox intercepts it and on the tackle he like reaches out to make the tackle and he gets a, a tiny little tear in his shoulder it's not a big deal on its face it keeps him out three or four weeks doesn't even miss week one but it's gonna ruin all of the rest of his camp 
right? So if it was already hard enough to prepare in COVID, now he's that much further behind. And so those first couple weeks, he plays the first two weeks and doesn't get a lot of run. And it doesn't look like he's necessarily uh, springing off the page like everybody thought he was going to. Like if you watched him at TCU, everybody, you know, he's not that guy. And maybe he's just picking up the playbook, right? He's just a rookie getting to know things under really difficult circumstances. Again, on its face, fairly easy to understand. But patience wears pretty thin, especially in Philadelphia, and especially when in week three, Justin Jefferson plays the Titans. I, we all remember that game. Uh, it's really hard not to compare that, especially when week three, Jalen Rager wasn't even on the field because in week two, he suffered a thumb injury and he would be out for another short term, but narrative defining amount of time. So that's the first one of these things that happened is his first year's a little injury riddle. There's he's he's just doesn't quite get out to the start that you would hope. And, and it's understandable why there's excuses for it, but it still is going to wear on your patience as, an, as Eagles fans. In 2021, the Eagles select Devonta Smith, which is also like a pretty bad omen for Jalen Rager's career. Uh, but on the eve of camp, uh, or, or like coming into training camp, a very close childhood friend of Jalen Rager's passes away. He's already on thin ice. And all of these things take a little bit of effort to understand. You have to kind of understand, oh, yeah, you know, he was like hurt for a lot of camp and it was 2020 and then he got hurt again. And, you know, you got to take a little bit of time and be empathetic that maybe he just was out of it that day because he was grieving the loss of his, the loss of his childhood best friend. And so he didn't pass his physical. But you're not going to get that from a lot of people. And I think especially in Philadelphia, you're not going to get that benefit of the doubt. You're bad. You're lazy. You're hurt. You're, you're soft. You're weak. You suck. It's amazing to hear that kind of stuff, which you'll see everywhere. I mean, look at anything that has been written about him, uh, written about him in the Philadelphia market in the last two years. You would not guess that this guy has one of the hardest work ethics in the NFL, that he has a uh royal lineage of Super Bowl winning father that he was the pride of the Big 12 for his whole time in TCU that he did, broke high school defenses open as a teenager I mean you wouldn't guess any of that you would guess that this is some this dude lied on his resume and somehow snuck into an NFL uh organization in like a fake mustache like that one always sunny episode that noise is really loud. And I, and I don't think Jalen Rager, uh, listener that he is, is as good at blocking it out as he wishes he was. So he will get traded here. It's a fresh start. It kind of takes away all that baggage and expectations. He's just here. He's just got to be a punt returner. And that's it. Now he's competing for that job. And his career is hanging in the balance because if you get cut, Two years after the team that traded with you got you, you know, you didn't even make it to the end of your rookie contract as a first round pick. Um, basically, all of the work that you did for your entire childhood is all moot. Now you're just going to be a reclamation project, if that. And this might all be over. Or he wins the punt return job and he gets to keep working in the league. A couple other guys that I want to uh, get to here. So we will do so right after I talk to you about uh, LinkedIn. It's hiring season as all of these kids get out of college and graduate and join your workforce. 
uh, but we don't have a draft for everything. You got to find, go out and find those people. And that can be really hard and intimidating. Everybody's got a resume and you get this pile. You can't possibly go through all of them. That is where LinkedIn Jobs comes in. And it's super easy to just go on to LinkedIn Jobs and add your job with the, the, uh, the purple hashtag hiring frame. It'll add a frame to your LinkedIn profile so everybody knows, hey, this person is hiring. So you can get the word out there for whatever your company needs. And they have all kinds of tools like screening questions and stuff that help you narrow down what your company actually needs. Uh, your company is unique. Your culture is unique. Your needs are unique. It, there is no cookie cutter here. And LinkedIn knows that. And that is why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks again to those of you who do listen to this show every single day. My hashtag everydayers love you guys. Um, sound off in the comments of YouTube or just send me a tweet or whatever. If you can, I love hearing from you. You know, one of the things that really helped Rager to just a, a quick kind of button on this was his teammates uh, in Philadelphia and certainly not to disparage the Eagles at all. This is really mostly media and fans that that I think treated him unfairly. But in Philadelphia entirely, I, I think for him, especially after he failed the physical in 2021, um, for for him, it was really difficult to grieve. And then his teammates were there for him. And being in the building and being surrounded by that brotherhood really helped him with that. And I, and I think coming to Minnesota as well, he and Justin Jefferson, for as much as they get compared and, and you know, how many jokes and, and as much as you might think that there would be some kind of bitterness or rather, they are very close friends now. Uh, and I think that those relationships that that sports can forge are too often taken for granted. This brings me to TJ Smith. Uh, before TJ Smith's senior year, his family moved to a new school district where his father had gotten a principal job at a, the middle school. So they had to move and he had to move schools with just one year left. So all of those relationships that he had built in high school all got severed kind of on a dime and with only a year to bring them back. Um, now there's a couple of things that if you ask TJ Smith, he will say that this is actually kind of fortuitous because he will go to Colquitt County High School in Moultrie, Georgia. He was in North Carolina before. Um, and at, at Moultrie in Colquitt County High, they have a very good team already. And that kind of gets you on the map. There's a lot of people that are already getting recruited to colleges and stuff. So there's a lot of eyeballs sniffing around. You go play well, you'll get noticed. And that, that is what TJ will do. He will, you know, get noticed. He'll end up being a three-star recruit. So he'll end up getting a, a scholarship in Arkansas. But what he really talks about when he looks back on this time is how tight-knit that group was and how they really accepted him. It felt like he was going into a like a good locker room situation and and even though he was the new guy and even though he only really had a year to get to know everybody, he felt like kind of right away, like he had known them all since they were kids. That season, Colquitt County will not lose a single game and they will go on to actually win state in Georgia. And I mean, Georgia is a football state. Uh, that's a lot. Um, 
he, as a three-star recruit, will end up committing to Vanderbilt. He's like going after the education. But when he tells his family, he doesn't get the reaction he thought he was going to get. They're like, yeah, okay. Like they don't believe him. Uh, And that's because he has been talking for a long time about Arkansas. And again, the relationships. He has built a very close relationship with uh, Rory Segrist who is the defensive line coach for the Razorbacks. And he goes to a visit to Arkansas, even though he's committed. I mean, commitments are no more than handshakes, right? Until you actually enroll, you can, you can decommit, you can do whatever you want. Um, so he will go to Fayetteville and just tours the city at the behest of, of Roy Seager says, you know, I respect your decision, but just come on out and see if you vibe. Um, and, and he, he starts thinking perhaps presciently, uh, Hey, if there's no football, will I be happy here? So he goes out to visit and he immediately falls in love with the neighborhood and the scenery. And there's a lot of fishing holes. He says so he likes that. Um, and of course he's got this, this relationship already with D line coach. So he decommits from Vanderbilt and he goes into Arkansas with the Razorbacks. Uh, there he will help to build something that's very similar to what he found at Colquitt County high. Uh, this sort of tight knit locker room that everybody's there for each other and everybody is uh, a brother in a way that I just cannot possibly describe to you if you have not been in a situation like that before. Perhaps the 2019 season is where this gets the clearest. That's his senior year. Uh, do not Google the 2019 Arkansas Razorbacks if you are faint of heart. Because it is a rough one. They are 0-8, I think, in conference play. Uh, they win two games that year, and it's like the two kind of early season games against lesser schools that you're supposed to win. Total nightmare season. Um, but that locker room will not fracture. They won't schism. They won't fight with each other or anything, which is like pretty rare when a team is struggling that hard that they won't be like at each other's throats, or at least, you know, that's the, the way that it's... Um, as far as the media gets to see, right? Uh, and, and they will say like, hey, if you didn't tell us that everybody's saying all this stuff about us and that, you know, all these things are bad and we're the, the worst at this since this long and all that, like if you didn't tell us any of that, we wouldn't know because we are kind of all we need. And they are interviewed a lot throughout. We're going to try to write the ship and blah, blah, blah. And it won't happen. And it's just a nightmare season. And that happens to college programs sometimes. But TJ Smith is the model student for this team uh he's a he's got great grades he's uh got like 17 different philanthropy things with the boys and girls club and all these other things and he's a leader and he leads that locker room through one of the hardest things a locker room can go through which is losing and those relationships are strong that that's what really stands out to me with tj smith and perhaps that is why his NFL career has struggled. I mean, he doesn't get drafted, right? And he's not the guy kind of guy with a pedigree like Jalen Riggers, where you would expect the world of him when he comes in. Um, but his year is 2020. He's part of the 2020 draft class and he is unable to go anywhere near camp. You know, there's he's, he's got the playbook on a PDF and he's just got to kind of study it on his own time. Um, it's this really weird thing with the draft too. I mean, the, the, the pre-draft process for most guys is like, 
you're traveling all over the country or, or you're going to pro days and then the combine and then visits and all this stuff. And you're kind of, um, there, there's this rigidity to it. Unlike the high school recruiting process is a little bit more loosey goosey because it's just hard to police it at that volume. Uh, so, you know, recruiters will call you and talk to you and try to get to know you a little bit more. Whereas, you know, NFL teams have like 15 minutes to ask you what your favorite flavor of ice cream is and what would happen if I, uh, stole your sister and kidnapped her, like weird stuff like that. And that's all you get. And, and so it's not nearly as personal, but in a weird way, COVID makes it so it can be more personal. So you can get to know people a little bit more. So yeah, it kind of felt like high school. He'll end up getting signed by the Chargers as an undrafted free agent, but he'll never actually make their team. He'll be on the practice squad for 2020, and then he'll he'll try to make the team again in 2021. He'll again go down on the practice squad. Uh, and then around October of 2021, the Vikings have a couple of players out with COVID, and so they need some depth. Um, or I apologize. He is not on the Chargers practice squad in 2021. He will be cut before the 2021 preseason actually starts in training camp. So he actually has no camp and it's in the middle of the season he gets a call from the vikings saying hey we need some depth come on in be part of our practice squad and he spends the last couple years in the practice squad he actually makes it there after uh the preseason even with the new regime and all that last year and now he's going to try to make the team in earnest again he did end up on the active roster and actually getting some stuff done uh late in the season last year but now for the first time this is his third season uh or his fourth season He's going to try to actually make a team. He spent three years on practice squads. Time to actually make something of it. Perhaps he can look for inspiration to Ole Udo, who uh, has made plenty more out of his career than his draft pedigree would suggest. So that's who's next. Somewhere around the mid-90s, a Nigerian doctor named Benjamin Udo moves to New Jersey, and he meets the love of his life, Rita. They'll marry. They have a kid in 1997. There it is. Family, the Udos. Uh, Benjamin is a doctor and Rita is a nurse. So these are not your and, and Benjamin's a doctor before he moves. So these are not your nickel and a dream kind of uh, immigrants. Rita will come when she's 18 coming for college. Uh, and Benjamin is already very much has an established career already. Uh, not exactly your like classic Ellis Island stereotype. Um, which means, so they, they live in New Jersey with their new kid and their house will get robbed and they're like, okay, we don't want any of that. So they move out of that neighborhood, uh, and they'll actually move to, to around like Dayton, Ohio, but it's cold. And they're like, nah, F this noise, we're going to move. We're not moving to the cold. So they don't actually stay in Ohio for that long. Uh, they will move again to Fayetteville, North Carolina. And no, that is not a mistake. There are two Fayetteville's separate cities in, uh, this episode, <laughs> But funny what happens, uh, how, how many weird little wires cross. Uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina is where Uli Udo will grow up, which means he grows up a huge Panthers fan. He is five years old when they go to the Super Bowl, the Jake Plummer year. Uh, he's in high school when Cam Newton is kind of rising through the ranks and becoming the phenom that he will become. I think it's his senior year of high school, actually, would be or what he would have been. Yeah, he would have been 18 during the 2015 year when the Panthers are in the Super Bowl again. And this inspires him. He is a huge fan of football throughout his whole childhood. And he grows up absolutely massive. Uh, per his telling, he is six foot three and 290 at the age of 13, which sounds impossible to me, but also it's an NFL offensive lineman. So far be it for me to question that. Uh, that that's just, just like mind numbing. Um, 
and and he really really wants to play football but his mom is, says no i mean they are a doctor and a nurse they know exactly what football does to your body and they don't want injuries right so they say no 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 go play basketball instead so says, okay mom i'll go play basketball but he hates it it's not the same you know he's i mean he's big and he can probably be a dominant basketball player if that's what he actually fell in love with but he doesn't fall in love with it the next year he instead takes another crack at his mom and says look i am huge please let me play football like let me try and he eventually gets through to her and so he goes out and plays on the team he is immediately a sensation he can move for a big guy and he's huge for high school football uh and so the the game kind of comes to him pretty quickly uh and the concern about injury quickly reverses (laughs) Where his mom, who doesn't know a lick about football to start, so she, I mean, she's struggling to figure out like what a good, like, was that a good play for our guys or their guys? Uh, and he, she's also like watching him and realizing, oh, I don't have to worry about him getting hurt. I have to worry about him doing the hurting. And that is actually uh, a, like something that she starts talking to him about is like, you know, you got to be careful with these kids. Like, don't hurt someone. And he, he has to like explain to her that like, actually, we're supposed to, which is this funny thing that a lot of like, really big kids have to like if you were big your whole childhood and you're just one of those kids that like was always bigger than all the other kids and you had to like learn how to play gentle with them um there is this kind of moment where you get to football you can't you can't you you finally can try to hurt you know it's like oh i don't want to break the sled (laughs) there's a story that i heard from a coach that was like yeah we had this kid that said like oh i I," like wasn't hitting the sled hard enough so i want to i don't want to break it um and the coach was like, I'll give you $100 if you break the sled. You will not break the sled, but I want you to try to break the sled. And that sort of unlocks this violence. And, and you have to sort of find that, that mean streak. And that's part of the process there. So when recruiting times come comes around, I mean, it's very clear that football is going to get Oliudo into college, which is all great. But Nigerian parents, education, very important. That's just going to be a thing when your parents are Nigerian immigrants. Uh, that is like a very, very important thing in, in Nigeria in particular. And uh, so he'll go with Elon, which has a great academic program. And again, he's this he says he's like 380 and he's not in the best shape at this point. He actually kind of over college will get it slimmed down a little bit. He's a little too big. Uh, he says he was sloppy about it. And he'll he'll slim down to that. And from there, we kind of know the rest of the story. He's this sort of small school standout, this super freaky athlete type gets drafted in the sixth round. Uh, in a, a couple years after he gets drafted, the Vikings have this weird whim to move him to guard. And he actually sort of figures it out, has this phenomenal camp up and down season. I would say he actually did have some reasonable moments in that 2021 season. But the new guys come in and say, yeah, now nah, we're not going to keep you here and you're going to be a tackle. He actually started the playoff game this year uh, after Brian O'Neill went down. So he's that kind of starting right tackle. He is currently competing for the same job uh, with like Vidarian Lowe. And I think Blake Brandell actually is uh, doing something else. So it's it, it might be Oli Udo to start. Um, I should also, I guess, mention that this has been a, a, a fairly rough calendar year for him. He got in trouble earlier in the year for this altercation at a nightclub that ended up with um, what amounted to like a resisting arrest and sort of this interaction with the police kind of went awry sort of citation where he was like accused of following a woman into the bathroom, but he denies it. Charges are dropped two months later and it, it, it all, I don't know, 
played out as this really weird thing that I, I can't really tell you much about, but I should probably mention it. And then he also was in the news again after he got a bunch of driving tickets going like 94 and 55 or something like reckless driving stuff. It's I don't think that that, that sort of thing is part of his story, really. But I guess it's the thing that he was in headlines for most recently. If you Google him, that's what you'll find. So should be mentioned. But I think right now his story is, can he actually find a way to secure a more regular season playing time? He's on a one-year deal. He's going to hit free agency next year. If he can win a job and then keep and then play well enough to prove to someone else that he can go win their job, he might be able to carve an actual NFL career. And hey, you could argue he's already had one. He's going into year five. Uh, perhaps that is where Uli Udo's career is headed. Perhaps he won't even make the team and everything ends here. And that was that good job. You did your dream. But uh, either way, there are a lot of players today that grew up with this NFL dream and now they're here. And it's a matter of, does this look the way that you thought it would? Probably not, but it's the way it goes. Uh, Again, tomorrow's Twitter Tuesday. So uh, send me your questions if you got them. I will see you all for that. And as always, skull.